Sunday night, a tweet by Dr. Wesley Long made my blood run cold. Dr. Long is one of the medical researchers at Houston Methodist Hospital who have been tracking coronavirus variants since the beginning of the pandemic. Omicron, he said Sunday night, is blasting into Houston far, far faster than even the Delta variant did. He's here to talk with me and CityCast producer Dina Kesba. Dina, as you'll remember, caught COVID over Thanksgiving, and we now know that it's Omicron. It's Tuesday, December 21st, 2021. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Dr. Long, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Since the beginning of the pandemic, your lab has tracked variants by sequencing the virus genome for any positive COVID test taken in the Houston Methodist Hospital system. What are you finding with Omicron? Well, Lisa, the case numbers have, have doubled in a similar fashion um, in two to three days. And so it's a testament to how contagious it is in terms of the proportional numbers and the fact that it's sweeping Delta so efficiently. Just to give some perspective, we had our first cases of Delta really in late March, early April, and it took Delta about three months into the summer before Delta hit that 80% proportion and had wiped out Alpha that came before it and some other variants. Omicron went from our first case being back at the beginning of the month of December to being 80% really in under three weeks. So where are we in the Omicron wave? Well, Lisa, we found our first cases of Omicron uh, at the, back at the very beginning of December. And the thing that's been remarkable about Omicron is how uh, quickly it has really increased and swept out uh, Delta, which we saw obviously was the last wave was caused by Delta and Delta came in and swept out all the variants before it really. And so that's been really what we've seen with Omicron is just the incredible uh, speed at which it's replaced Delta in our population and, and just as a perhaps as an indication of just how contagious it is. The number that I saw last night really caught my attention. 82% of the cases that you're now seeing in Houston are Omicron? Right. So the number we tweeted was from our uh, sequencing run from earlier in the week, and it was the, the first run that we had that was that high. I mean, 82% of the specimens were Omicron. The previous run, which would have just been two or, two or three days prior, uh, was just under 50%. It was a 45%. So really, we're seeing that proportion doubling in about a two and a half day uh, time frame. So when you say they're doubling, does that mean that the number of Omicron cases is doubling? Or does that mean that the percentage of all COVID that's Omicron is doubling? So like, what what is it that's doubling? So the percentage itself is the proportion of Omicron or the percentage of Omicron. But at the same time, we know that looking over the last week, we saw cases really start to increase in the second week of December uh, from what had been below a uh, reasonably sort of flat level of cases through most of November, getting into December, we saw cases really begin to accelerate in the second week and a positivity to accelerate. And that's based upon our looking at the proportional data that's being driven by the Omicron variant. So how are the vaccines working now? Well, I think the most important thing to know is that the vaccine against COVID-19 is still our best defense against Omicron, just as it was with Delta. Uh, it is really important to have that third shot or booster shot if you're eligible, which at this point, most everyone over 16 is. Uh, so if you haven't gotten vaccinated uh, for whatever reason, it would be important to go ahead and get that process started because it's going to take several weeks after the first two shots before you really start to realize the protection of the vaccine. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. But I mean, a lot of people who are vaccinated are getting COVID and people are going to get together for the holiday season. What are people supposed to do in order to prevent themselves from getting COVID? In terms of planning for gatherings or businesses or other sorts of things, it's just important to realize that one of the reasons Omicron is spreading so very well, it's just, it's more contagious and more transmissible. So activities that had a certain level of risk uh, during the Delta wave or during previous waves are now um, even higher risk for transmission. So everything else beyond the vaccine that we can do, we've been doing early for two years is important. So things like masking with a good high quality mask, uh, social distancing, avoiding, you know, crowded indoor environments that are poorly ventilated, or thinking about maybe having things outdoors instead of indoors, things of that nature, or postponing things until maybe just for a few weeks until things improve. Wow. I'm, I'm shocked and I'm not shocked. I actually got COVID after Thanksgiving. A lot of my family members in Houston had started to feel sick, but everyone kind of blamed it on the weather change. Could be a cold, could be a flu. Two people took a rapid test and tested negative. Fast forward to Thanksgiving week, uh, we all decided to visit my sister in Virginia for Thanksgiving. We got there, everything was fine. It wasn't until Monday, November 29th, when everyone who was at Thanksgiving dinner started to feel sick. So when everyone got tested, they started to test positive for COVID. So what kind of advice would you give people in a scenario like that? Right. It's, so it's really hard and I appreciate it has been a long two years and I know it's a hard decision and, and it's one we've all had to grapple with. I think the important thing to know about rapid antigen tests what we, people might call like a pregnancy test style test, the test that most people have buy over the counter and can use at home. They're really best and most accurate when you have symptoms. So people that are using them for sort of screening if they're asymptomatic and deciding if they eat together, they're not very good at that. And the rate of false negatives is particularly high. So you really, the timing is really important. So you could take a mm -hmm. lateral flow test in the morning, think you're okay, and then be pre-symptomatic. And if you go to an event that evening or the next day, you could be pre-symptomatic and still able to transmit. So they're really best used for if you have symptoms and testing positive. Most of them in the package insert say that the negatives need to be confirmed by a PCR test. And it's in the fine print in the package insert. It's not printed. That nobody reads. Yeah, it's not printed on the outside of the box. It's not obvious. So how would we know? I guess one advice we give to people is if you have symptoms, uh, even if you take a test and it says it's negative for COVID, there's still other viruses out there we probably don't want to transmit to our friends and families and loved ones. Like influenza A is making a comeback or the flu, the classic flu. We really haven't seen flu throughout the pandemic, just with the various lockdowns around the world and, and distancing and everything and masks, really didn't see much flu in all of 2020 uh, through 2021 until really in November, we started to see flu A cases coming up. And we know that flu vaccine rates are down this year as well. It's a hard situation. It really is hard. So I want to get your thoughts on this. I started feeling symptoms like November 29th, and it's... <laughs> It's December 21st. So it's been some time. I've been reading about Omicron not being really severe, but 
I've been on this like roller coaster of feeling good some days and other days awful. And so it just makes me feel like there's this major downplay of how scary Omicron is. And I understand the vaccine has definitely been a protector, a barrier for me, that it could have been so much worse. But what is a person supposed to do after they get COVID? Right. So you definitely want to monitor yourself and and your symptoms and how you're doing and you, if you if you feel like you're getting into trouble or or it's getting more severe you want to talk to your you know healthcare provider or doctor or go to an emergency room if that does happen but in terms of recovery it it does take time and and it's certainly frustrating it, it's one of the things you know talking about omicron being milder that's happened a lot there's been a lot of chatter about that um we pointedly generally don't talk about what we're seeing yet in our data just because we think it's too early. Why is it too early? One of the reasons we think it's too early is things like severity and severe outcomes, uh, hospitalizations, (laughs) all of those mortality, those are all lagging indicators. And one of the things with Omicron is it spreads so quickly. We're still in the sort of first three weeks. And so People who were positive, like yourself, back in that first week, that's a very small group of people. And so we're still getting data on what the long-term effects are. And that's the mistake. And it seems like it's a mistake that gets made with every wave where in the very beginning of a wave, there will be people who will say, well, positives are going up, but hospitalizations aren't going up. And so this must be milder. And then hospitalizations start to go up two or three weeks in. And then they'll say, well, hospitalizations are going up, but mortality is not going up. So it's okay. Like Mm -hmm. some people are being hospitalized, sure, but, and it's just because, you know, hospitalizations lag positives, mortality lags hospitalizations, oftentimes by, by a month or more. So it'll take time before we really know how severe uh, Omicron is compared to Delta. So why is that? That's just the unfortunate, just the unfortunate truth of collecting that sort of data is that it's the long-term data. It's not short-term data that we can get in a couple of days after somebody's positive and say, oh, they're fine, or oh, they're not fine. It just takes time for that data to really fully develop. So we can look at longer-term data from other places where it you know, started, but still even then, that was all back in mid-November. So it still hasn't been a really long time. It's still been a pretty short amount of time. So that's why we don't talk about the severity that we're seeing yet, because it just it just takes time and we don't want to mislead anybody or give people the impression that, oh, yeah, it's, it's no big deal. Because even if and this is another important point, things like mortality, it's a linear sort of a function. So it's a straight line. And but the transmissibility aspect of a variant like Omicron, it's exponential. So we have a pretty good sense that if people get one variant or another, a certain percentage of them will die, right? Right. So if we talk about mortality, if we say, oh, the mortality of of COVID is, let's say the mortality of the Delta variant is 1% or something, and let's, which is, I don't, I'm just making up numbers, but let's Mm -hmm. say the, let's say that Omicron is, it causes half of that or even a third of that. Okay. That's a fixed percentage, right? It's a fixed proportion, but Omicron is much more uh, transmissible than Delta was. And so transmissibility is really an exponential function. And that's why we're seeing this sort of exponential growth in cases. And so with a virus that's so much more transmissible, even if it is less severe, ultimately, if it causes many, many, many more cases, 
than what we were seeing previously with Delta. Again, Delta was very flat in November. If we see a large number of uh, Omicron cases, it can still cause a significant amount of mortality, even if it is less severe, just numerically, because the transmissibility aspect is more of an exponential function. So that's another thing that makes it really hard. It's another thing that's hard to communicate to the public. And that's, I think, maybe difficult to sometimes wrap your head around what exactly that could mean. So even if Omicron is less likely than Delta to kill a person who gets it, if Omicron affects a lot more people, then Delta will end up with a lot more people dead? Exactly. At some point, even if there are fewer hospitalizations, if there's a huge number of people being hospitalized, it, again, if, if there's not, you know, we've seen this time and time again in the pandemic of hospitals being full or being overtaxed in some parts of the country. It, you, and just what happens if you have a car accident or if you need, if you have a heart attack. Or there could be a virus like the one we saw earlier this year at Texas Children's Hospital. Right. That was RSV this summer. And that's one of the reasons where we keep talking about <laughs> flu right now is because we don't want that to happen with influenza over the next couple of months. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so it's just... It's all the other downstream effects of that on a healthcare system nationally that's already overtaxed and just tired. I mean, just like the public's tired. So yeah. those are all the sorts of different concerns that it's why we don't want to prematurely confidently say things like, oh, it's less severe. Or, oh, because it, it gives us sort of cavalier impression that, well, then that means mm -hmm. you don't need to worry about it. And it's just, there's so many layers <laughs> to it and how it could play out that we just try to be really conservative in what we're you know, communicating and just what are the things we're confident of, things like, I mean, the Omicron percentage in our data, 100% confidence, like that's the data. So we're sure that we're at the beginning of the Omicron wave. Right. I mean, the positivity and the number of positive tests is definitely increasing. The Texas Medical Center has a great dashboard product that amalgamates data from, you know, uh, and so you can get good information there. But yeah, it's positivity has been increasing now for over a week, I suppose. So... Vaccinations and boosters are still really worth it with Omicron. Right. Even if we're seeing or if people hear about, oh, there's more breakthrough infections with Omicron or there's more symptomatic vaccinated patients with Omicron, that's okay. The important thing is it's still doing a really good job of preventing severe disease, hospitalization, and death. And that's really the most important job for a vaccine. Yeah. I often think how much worse it would have been for me if I wasn't vaccinated. And then I, I just think of like all my family of how much worse it would have been, especially for the elders in our family, that if they weren't vaccinated either. Dina, can I ask you a question real quick? Mm -hmm. How do you yeah. know you have Omicron? Yeah. So we know it's Omicron because I have a Canadian family member who was actually exposed to COVID from all of us. And so like in Houston, nobody said anything about what it was, but it was the Canadian family member who found out just recently, actually. So we, so, so the FDA has been very clear. So the sequencing effort is done in our research lab. It's mm. not done in our clinical <laughs> lab. So it's not done in our CLIA accredited, it's done in the research lab. And so because it is a research test um, and it is not validated for clinical use, FDA is very clear in the beginning, you cannot report this back to the patients, the providers, et cetera. And ultimately it hasn't, it's never really impacted therapy. We're actually in a unique situation with Omicron now where it sort of does because the monoclonals that worked for Delta won't work for Omicron except for this one new one that there's uh, from GSK and I forget it's like Solotruvimab or starts with an S. A really interesting thing is that because Omicron is sweeping so quickly, we're gonna know everybody has Omicron basically, so it's not really gonna matter. 
you know, Delta there, I would hear stories about one person uh, testing positive in a vaccinated household and they would isolate and nobody else in the house would get it. And you just wow. don't, you just don't hear that with Omicron. It's like one person has it and then everybody has it. It's crazy. So now I know never letting my guard down. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this, Dr. Long. You're very welcome. And now I'm with producer Farrell Gibbs. Farrell, what else is going on in Houston right now? Well, taking the good news where we can get it today. Gas prices are down four cents. Uh, That's down to an average of $2.80 a gallon right before Christmas. It's all COVID related. It seems that crude oil dropped. And so this follows. So that means less demand for gas because fewer people are traveling? It seems that way. Yes, less demand, more people staying home. Okay. So it's good news for those of us who are paying to put gas in our cars, but probably bad news for Houston's oil companies. That is exactly what I was thinking. I don't, you know, I said you take the good news where you can. You never know around here if it is good news or bad news. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for today's show. Please, if you like what you're hearing, give us a good rating wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow. See you then. Some really wretched stuff comes from my heart. Sometimes, Farrell.